0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We're hosting the uh, weekly ThorChain hangout here from the ThorGuard's account today. Uh, We'll be back on the ThorChain official Twitter account next week. Uh, Today, this is 0x Saigon. I have the pleasure of hosting ThorChain lead developer Chad Veriford for a discussion on this week's updates uh, at the protocol level for ThorChain. And we might be joined by some ecosystem developers and builders uh, for some ecosystem updates as well. So stay tuned for that. Got a fun... Fun itinerary agenda for you guys here today. Um, here we go. Here we have Mr. B. Chad, can you hear us? Let us know. i muted. Sorry, muted.
1: Uh, yep, yeah. I'm here. I'm ready. Awesome. Available.
0: Sounds good. Let's let everyone trickle in over the next couple minutes. I want to thank you guys uh, for, for tuning in. We're hosting this week's ThorChain weekly live stream here on the ThorGuard's account this week, and we'll be back on the ThorChain official Twitter account next week. Uh, but today, this is 0x Saigon, and I'll be chatting with Chad B. Uh, here for some ecosystem updates. Um, I'll be discussing a few different things. Um, Chad, how's your week going?
1: Going pretty Good. Not too shabby.
0: Can't complain. Awesome. Glad to hear it. I'm looking forward to it. We've got some exciting stuff uh, happening at the protocol level, some good stuff happening at the ecosystem uh, and the L2 level. So yep. we'll be covering yep. a bunch of good stuff here. Let me...
1: Lots of action.
0: A lot of good stuff. And let me actually see if I can like promote you to co-host. Um. Make me code of, yeah. and we have uh, we also have we have uh, badgers and bull from our friends at Thor Swamp and Thor Chad's Exciting week for them as well. So we'll get them uh, on stage here at the end um, during the ecosystem, uh, the ecosystem updates section. Uh, and then for I guess everybody here is listening, but um, you know for future reference, we'll be uh, we we'll recording we're recording this now and. Uh, as always, we publish the recordings on uh, on RuneBase.org podcast, so you can check that out later at RuneBase.org. Um, with that, let me see here. Chad, you'd sent me a list of some things. Was that in? It was in the, the Telegram, I think. Telegram, okay. Let me make sure I can pull that up. Um, Chad B. Yeah. Oh, and bot. Huh is in telegram I'm, I'm not seeing it in telegram or
1: yeah telegram the uh Thorchain weekly oh that's right thing. Yeah, very cool um, awesome
0: so uh, we do these Thorchain weekly calls every Friday. Um, we generally switch off between u s time zones twice a month and eastern asia slash Europe time zones twice a month. Um, I've been hosting uh, the weekly u s side and then our weekly western side. And then we've uh, handed off between between Thor Lady and Archon on the eastern side. Oh, also shout out to Familiar Cow, who hosted last week's US, or two weeks ago, the US time zone. Um, So Familiar Cow has been a great great support as well. Um, And uh, with that, let's, um, I guess we can go ahead and hop in. Um, Chad, I I think generally... uh, I generally think of you as a man who needs no introduction in ThorChain ecosystem, but for anybody who might be uninitiated, do you want to give a super quick introduction to who you are and, and uh, your role in ThorChain?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Chad Barifor. Um I'm one of the core devs on the project. Been around for quite a while, helping to build and focus on uh, designing and building the uh, core protocol, which has been the most fun I've ever had professionally, I would say, because it's a fun project to work on, for sure um yeah awesome and, uh, i'm just here to to kind of answer some questions and talk more about uh, recent developments and all that fun stuff fun stuff indeed and and uh we're, we're uh grateful to
0: have you on the protocol and, and have you on this call so the, the one chad to rule them all as we like to say um i'm 0x saigon uh founder of RuneBase.org, where we do news, guides, and weekly podcasts dedicated towards education um, and onboarding into the ThorChain ecosystem. Uh, also a co-creator of the ThorGuard's NFT project and proud uh, host of the ThorChain Weekly <laughs> here alongside uh, Chad. So yeah, thank you all for for tuning in. And, and uh, let's hop into this week's uh, kind of rundown. So a few things uh, that uh, we put together here to discuss this week but um discussions around pooled validators a conversation that's been kind of um teased or discussed uh and planned for several weeks or even maybe a couple months now we've I remember hearing the first mentions of this so we have some updates on that um retiring bep2 and eth rune this is super interesting as everybody knows there's three types of rune in the wild today which can be confusing for a lot of members of the community there's bep2 rune uh, there's, uh, ETH Rune that runs on the Ethereum chain, ERC-20 Rune, and then there's Native Rune. Um, and so, uh, updates on, on, uh, what's happening with that, uh, trifecta, if you will. Um, uh, uh vulnerability, uh, in TSS, the threshold signature scheme. Um, and, uh, there's some contributions that the ThorChain team made to the, you know, core TSS, uh, uh, protocol, if you will, that, um, that benefits not just ThorChain, but the entire crypto ecosystem at large. Um, Dodo Pool being retired, going to zero. And then uh, StageNet and Chain Clients, uh, some updates on StageNet, which is a very exciting update from this week. Uh, Chad, is that everything? Is there anything else that we might uh, touch on over the next hour, 30 minutes, whatever? <coughs> well, there might be some <coughs> Excuse
1: me. There might be some more, but uh, um, we only have one hour.
0: Yeah, we'll take it as it comes. Um Awesome. So let's hop in. Starting with pooled validators first. What are pooled validators, and uh, and then we'll talk about where we are with them.
1: Yeah. So um, <clears throat> sorry, my throat's like all scratchy all of a sudden. Oh no. Um, <clears throat> um, yeah. So the team has been thinking about this kind of larger issue or or our challenge which is to how do we yeah. scale the, the bond <clears throat> the bond side of the network? <clears throat> oh, so <laughs> wanna, no worries. It's, you got a cup of water? That's so it. weird. <laughs> uh, I'm going to walk and get some water as I continue to, to raspy my way around the, Yeah, take, uh, take your uh, time. my, my place here. No, the same. Um, yeah. Go ahead. So the question is um, uh, how do we do this, right? And we've been discussing publicly and within the team as well and also publicly with the larger community – of the best way to, to how we get more room on the bond side right and so we've really come up with really um two different general approaches and these things aren't mutually exclusive you can do both of these things if you really wanted to and then there's some implementations of each one of these things that makes it a bit more complicated to um to solve or not to solve but to to to, to, des- to before before
0: we hop into that uh what what if I take a quick stab at like describing the problem here, getting everyone up to speed on the same page, and then and then we can talk about sure. the solution. So essentially, um, you know, uh two times the amount of rune needs to be pooled uh collectively across the nodes that run the Thorchain, uh run the Thorchain protocol. And um two times the value of uh assets locked in. Uh, liquidity pools. So in order for yeah. liquidity pools to deepen uh, and for, you know, liquidity to deepen and, the, you know, in, in order for liquidity pools to grow, uh, a lot of rune needs to be, twice that amount of rune needs to be um, bonded at any given point. Um, yeah. And right now <laughs> the uh, the requirements for running a node are both technically High technically, you have to be, uh, you know, like a, basically, a you know, experienced DevOps, you know, it's a, it's a very active, it's not passive income. It's a very active role from a technical standpoint. And then it's also a, a large financial, uh, a financial requirement. What is it? the 300,000 rune right now? Like minimum. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. you know, depending on the value of rune in a given day, that could be, you know, one to $2, $2 million right now, almost, um, and so pool validators is one of the potential solutions that's being proposed. Uh, so yeah, with that context, yeah, let's talk about the, the
1: yeah. Strategy. Yeah. Uh, excellent recap there. So the, the reason why you, you have to have this kind of uh, this restriction is, is to ensure that all the people who are kind of holding all the money, so to speak, all the assets that they always have more to lose at any given moment than they have to gain. So if they were to go malicious and, you know, steal a bunch of funds, then they would always lose money in that transaction, which is the only way you can economically ensure that they won't steal because you economically ensure that they're going to lose no matter what they do, right? That's the kind of important thing. Not every cross chain DEX uh, does this. A lot of them just kind of say, like, I was looking at one actually yesterday, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to name which one because I don't want to, you know, throw mud or anything like this, but they had like, you know, all the validator bond of that, um, coin was like, I think like $288 million worth of dollar value. And then the TVL of the project was like 600 million. Right. And so you're like, so now you're at this situation where all these validators, they put up, you know, 288 million to secure $600 million of assets, which means that if you were to acquire two thirds majority of the, of the, the bond, which is about like 180 or 190 million, whatever the hell the number is, mm-hmm. you can, invest almost 200 million dollars and then you can steal 600 million dollars mm-hmm. and that's you know that's a problem yeah. from that's, that's an issue a helpful analogy that i use here to
0: kind of like help people who don't understand like this notion of node like a like a bond is like a security deposit right and a security deposit if you're going to rent a house or rent a car it economically disincentivizes you from like messing up that apartment or messing up that car, right? Cause you have skin in the game. Right. right. And so in this case, right. you know, the, the security deposit is not enough. Uh, the example that you mentioned is not enough to, um, to disincentivize right. that, <laughs> that
1: If you pay a f- $50, you know, uh, security deposit to like rent a car and then you total the car, it's worth like $40,000. It's like, yeah. well, here's my security deposit. Like <laughs> or you go. just steal the car entirely. You just, just take it home and you just like sell it for 40 grand and like, well, go ahead and keep my fifty dollars. That's that's fine. Yeah. I just I just made forty thousand dollars. Like I'm I'm doing great. Like you know, so that's that's the importance of this. Is that's why we've always kind of stressed this from the from the beginning of it. If you want to have a cross chain dex, this is what you kind of have to have from an economic perspective. Otherwise, you're you're designed to be economically insecure from from the white paper, right? If it's a if it's a if it's a not cross-chain dex, d- d- just like a uni or sushi, then you then you don't need to worry about this because you offload security to something else, right? And and mm-hmm. you don't have that, you don't have that that issue. But if you're doing cross-chain index it's a, it's, a, it's a different kind of beast that you're taking on. It's a lot more difficult mm-hmm. in many res- <laughs> respects, and so you have to you have different re- re- requirements. So, anyways, so how do we scale up the bond side, right? And so the two h- high-level concepts. And then we can break into small pieces if you want to go deep I don't know how deep you want to go on this um is one is um, um is allowing several people to combine together to create a node together so you might have a situation where for example uh maybe you know you have a bunch of room but you but you don't technically you know Uh, DevOps professional. And so maybe you want to come up to, you know, something like Nine Realms, for example, and say, hey, Nine Realms, you got the technical expertise. You know how to run a Thor node. You've done this, you know, a thousand times, so to speak. Uh, So I'll give you some Rune, you know, and then you run the node on my behalf. And then, you know, we all prosper from that scenario. Great. Now we've been, historically, we've been against this notion to some degree because you can't just have like a delegated proof of stake. And meaning that you can just have anons providing liquidity to other anons. And the reason why that is because of, of two reasons. So one is in a, in a Thor chain's design, we have these like Yggdrasil vaults, which is like a 101 vault. Uh, and so if you give uh, an anon a bunch of money and they run a node and they have uh, access to all that Yggdrasil funds, they can just like go ahead and, and rug pull you and steal all the Yggdrasil funds, walk away richer person um uh, technically speaking that's actually beneficial for the network it actually it's helpful for the network because the pools get deeper when that happens but for you as an individual you just got rug pulled and you just got screwed out of whatever money we're talking about and that sucks uh for you the other reason why it, that that's that it's problematic is that you don't want to get to a place where somebody can um um uh, can have more uh, at uh so where, where somebody can cyber attack the network via producing rune from other people's rune, and they don't have their own skin in the game, like they provide almost no rune, and they convince all these other people in the world, like you know the rest of the community, blah blah blah, whatever, to to provide rune for them, and then so then you know they, they get a, enough rune or enough nodes, they can cyber attack the entire network and then steal everything, and because they put no rune up to begin with, like they have no they have no loss, right? They have no like you know problem there, so. The first notion was a, a pool validator, knows, which sounds similar to that. And the difference is, is that it'd be uh, limited to, you have to KYC each other. You can't just like have anons throwing up anons, right? So in order for me, if I'm going to run a validator and, you know, and uh, maybe the, the Thor guards wants to use some rune to, you know, to contribute to my node, we'll just say, uh, we have to have communications outside of Thor chain, right? We have to have like a telegram conversation or meet up in person, email, you know, WhatsApp, whatever, and, when, and, and you have to give me your Thor address, and then I whitelist your Thor address for my node, and then you can contribute Rune to my box, right? And because of that, like, it, you really can't cyber attack in that way because it requires like face-to-face or, or conversations to have. It's not like you're just kind of deploying a marketing camp- campaign and just like, you know, convince a bunch of people through like ads and stuff to, to just dump huge quantities of Rune to a particular node. becomes much, much more uh, uh, impractical in that sense. So I would have to convince you to, to, like, hey, you know, you can trust me. We we know each other. We we basically KYC'd each other. And if anything were to happen tomorrow, like if I were to, to, like, steal the universal funds, like, you know who I am. Like, you know my name is Chad. You know my address is this. And, you know, we have maybe have a contract between you, like a legal entity between you and I that we are. Uh, like a signed contract, it's up to the individuals to decide how they want to structure that. That's not up to the network to decide that. It's up to uh, how people want to do that. Like Nine Realms, if they were to do this, they probably have like a contract that you that you both sign and you know and have like you know all that, that kind of uh, that kind of stuff. That's the first approach, right? The second approach. um and so I've actually, by the way, been, been building that out, not to necessarily deploy it, but just to kind of help me think through the problem, just to have a, I write it out, code it up, uh, have it as a, as like something at the ready, if we, if we, if we want to do it, do it as if the community wants to do this. Um, uh, but for me, it's helped me to understand the problem and, and think through every little nook and cranny by just actually implementing the entire thing, uh, which you know, takes about a few days or a week. Anyways, that's the first concept. The second concept is vault nodes, which or or aka light nodes, and it's a similar thing, but it's it's instead of being a validator, you're just you're just securing assets. You're not contributing to consensus. You're not contributing to threshold signatures. You're basically just a Yggdrasil vault by itself, sort of, right? And so, because you're not a part of consensus in that scenario, it doesn't matter how much room you collect from as many people as you collect from. You can't cyber attack the network this way because you're not part of consensus. You can't hijack the network in a matter of speaking. It doesn't matter how much rune you collect, right? So the network is is safe from that scenario. Now you're still not safe from the scenario of I've convinced a bunch of people to give me a bunch of rune to run a vault mode and then, you know, I got a bunch of million few million dollars in there and in my in my vault mode and I just steal the funds and, and run away right? That, that's still possible. And that's why you need to make sure that you are um, aware of each other and KYC each other and, and you know, pr- protect yourselves. Like you could do this with your friends possibly and, and, and with, with companies that you sign contracts with, but you wouldn't want to do it with like some guy who messages you on discord and says, Hey, I got a vault note. Give me your rune." Like you wouldn't want to probably do that because that would be, you know, y- y- there's a good chance you'd get your, your, your funds kind of taken from you. So don't do that make sure you're doing it very safe and secure and well thought out and all these kind of things um yeah those are the two can points. i can i ask a can i ask a
0: question shoot, about that shoot. um what's the uh downside of a model similar to uh like the terra ecosystem um validators you know like a delegated delegated validators i like can just go on terra station wallet and delegates a, a whole menu of yeah
1: so Fox validators delegated is it's a couple of problems around delegated so First of all, delegation always leads to centralization. You can't do without that doing that. You're basically you're giving up voting power as well to somebody else, right? But more importantly, because we are securing external assets, assets that are not native to Thorchain itself, if you if somebody were to do delegate from stake, you could um, get yourself into a situation where you can cyber attack the network and take all the funds. You can't really do that with Terra or with Cosmos. Um, well, in Cosmos, you might be able to do it with with gravity decks actually, because now they're going to start. Well, IBC kind of creates that potential, but uh, you are putting yourself in a situation where somebody could uh, convince enough people to give me their to give me their rune or their delegated, you know, uh, uh, asset of some kind, and then with enough of those given to me, I can now cyber attack the network and literally take it over and become, you know, more or less God, quote unquote. The you know, and be able to change. Anything that I saw fit to change in the entire network. I can go ahead and mint myself, you know, a hundred million rune tokens if I chose to, right? Or I could like rewrite everybody's LP positions and like give it to myself, right? So you don't want somebody to sabotage the network. And by doing delegated proof of stake, you're making that a lot easier to occur. And when the situation where you're you're dealing with external assets, the risk is much higher. This is a chain by itself then like the only thing you're going to do is just cause the entire chain to implode because it becomes unreliable right and that the coin will go to zero and everybody will lose and the whole thing will go to you know nothingness but when you're maintaining external assets like bitcoin like ethereum like tether like you know luna uh those things don't go to zero it doesn't matter what happens to your chain the chain could be you know taken over 100 by one individual which would suck for the the chain and room would probably go to zero at that point. But that person can still has access to all of that Bitcoin and Ethereum and Luna and everything else. And they can just walk away, uh, very much richer, but you can't do that. Uh, and and I don't think we can do that reasonably in in this approach. If if you're doing a cross chain Dex, if you're doing a, a Dex within a chain like Cardano or something like this, then you can do that. That actually, would, would suffice probably, but in a cross index, you because you're maintaining external assets where their value is derived outside of the value of your network, you need to be able to ensure that nobody can stop the type of network. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a few more
0: topics to get through in the next probably like 20 minutes, I'd say 25 minutes. So yeah. um, <laughs> I've been yammering yeah. on forever. Uh, <laughs> that was good stuff. No, no I'm enjoying it. Um, and uh, and it's, it's it's important. Everybody wants uh, caps to be raised. Everybody wants more liquidity. Everyone wants lower slippage and more volume and and uh, you know you know um, two thousand dollar runes. So this is an important step in that uh, in that direction. So where are we with full ba- validators now? And and what's the latest in that in that front for the network?
1: Yeah. So this is, I think this just requires more conversation within the community to figure out what we think will be the best approach. And like I said, none of these things are mutually exclusive. So we can do most of them, or all of them, or some of them, or whatever we feel is the best approach. But any one of these things being implemented was just gonna create more opportunity for more people to participate and more people to provide RUNE on the bond side and the security side and help the network scale. So um, as soon as you make it so that the capital requirements and the uh, technical requirements are basically the same as it is for providing liquidity on the pool side, then then the incentive penguin works extraordinarily well. It works perfectly well. Because then the, the the friction of doing one or the other is basically the same, and then you can just move back and forth as you see fit. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. the ultimate goal. That's a little, obviously a, a lofty goal or a difficult goal to get to, but that's the ultimate goal. So providing pool validators uh, or vault nodes will definitely push in that direction to allow uh, people with less quantity of rune or less technical capabilities or both of those things to participate on the bond side.
0: Oh, got it. So the um. Because if if there's a uh, you know pool validators, then the the uh, bonded rune would be much more liquid. Like yeah. it's not it's not likely right now that someone who's running a full validator on their own is going to you know if the incentive pendulum swings and we need more liquidity or oversecured and and uh, underliquid, you know it's not it's not likely that that rune will just like magically evaporate out of the bond side and, and make its way to the uh, you know liquidity pools. But it, but in this method with pool validators. Um, there could be much more reflexivity to the incentive pendulum. That rune can go and chase the best yield
1: pretty quickly. Yes, that that's part of the part of the goal. There is to, to oh. have that rune be much more fluid. Because right now, when you put in rune on the on the bond side, you lock it up until you churn out of the network, and then you have access to your rune again, right? Which is mm-hmm. like that for for very good reasons of you know maintaining security and maintaining. Okay. All these things, but to have people fluidly move from one side to the other is is kind of partially the goal. And so, whenever you're pooling your your if you're not running the the, the infrastructure yourself, and I just provide capital, I can be able to move it and over to one side or the other, back and forth. That's the idea. That's the goal. That's that's probably the the grand prize in a sense, because then the entire pendulum is the most effective, and that the friction on one side is equal to the friction on the other side, and then it it, it, Mm. it moves much more smoothly back and forth. So to I maybe mean, uh, quick
0: recap here. So pool validators uh, is well, actually it, it, it's a proposal right now in discussion. Is that is that a yeah? It's a it's a stage? proposal
1: in discussion. Some team members are for it. Some core uh, uh, devs are against it, right? And I think it just requires more conversation and more you know uh, okay. confidence yeah. with the within the community. I think we're going we're going to develop the feature because it's not that hard to develop. It's, it's not not like a huge, you know, undertaking. Um, and, and then we, so we have it at the ready and then we'll have, kind of have the conversation with people and, and the community can decide whether well, they love it, they hate it, you know, whatever else. Cool.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think there's trade-offs um, on both sides, obviously, if there's, uh, you know, people for, people against. Um, that conversation, I imagine, is happening in the ThorChain devs Discord
1: that the monthly place the economics, um, economic design channels out there too. We can have that competition if they want to. I think when the when the awesome. when the PR gets uh, opened and as that a, a, a being the kind of the proposal in a sense, we'll, we'll kind of really engage in the community at that point and get their viewpoints.
2: And we'll Sounds we'll good. line
1: it up like here's the pros, here's the cons, and have at it. Should we do it? Should we not do it?
0: Awesome. Well, uh, I think I can speak for a shared sentiment amongst a lot of the community, which is we love the idea of single-sided exposure and yield um, yep. on, on native Rune and, uh, or on Rune and, um, you know, no permanent loss. And so that's, that's something that's attractive about bonding to a node, but, you know, shy of having $1.8 million and, uh, you know, always on DevOps, uh, you know, like role, like some, anything to democratize access to, to that to that side of yield uh, in door chain, I think would be uh, well, that's that's the upside, uh, and I'm sure it comes with some some you know technical questions to ask as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. So, all right, next topic. Uh, and thank you, by the way, for everyone tuning in. Um, this is the Thorchain Weekly Hangout, uh, generally hosted on the Thorchain official Twitter account, but we're here on the Thorguards account today. Uh, we'll be back on the Thorchain uh, official Twitter account next week. Uh, I'm Zero X Saigon from Thorguards and RuneBase, talking with Chad Bearford, uh, uh, core dev, lead dev for. Thorchain, uh, and we are talking about a Thor chain uh, Thor chain updates. Uh, so pool validators we talked about, and now let's talk about retiring Bep2 and ETH Rune. So uh let me see, Chad, if I can
1: set the stage for this and then you
0: can talk about well, where this
1: conversation. Is. Let's, push that, oh, one, yeah, let's push that one down to the bottom just because the other ones are more okay. relevant to like this week and that one's relevant okay. to like six months from now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah,
0: in
3: that
1: case, uh, <laughs> yeah we, we can even just delete that from
0: the yeah. conversation. Uh, we'll, we'll
1: get to it if we haven't time If wrap, we have time, to get back to it. I want to get through the things that are re- relevant to like this week. Awesome. So in order of priority, what do you want to do? TSS vulnerability, yeah. Dodo, plus do zero it, stage. Let's next. do the TSS vulnerability. So... Um, okay, I, uh, I I meant to post something in the Thornode Chaos I uh, think last night, and I, I slipped my mind. But um, but I'll, I'll do that later today. Um, so there was a TSS vulnerability discovered on the Binance um, TSS library that which Thorchain does like you know import. Um, that was discovered by a security researcher, uh, security researcher, which we talked about. And we mentioned in the Thornode Chaos channel a while ago, but we didn't want to expose the details of anything quite yet, because we, because that library is used by a bunch of different projects and, you know, we don't want to disclose information publicly about a possible threat without all the other teams and projects being aware of that and, and, you know, mitigating their own situations first before we go publicly and tell you know the world of a larger issue, right? So we were never at risk ourselves. Um, um, it requires a key gen to happen or, or a churn to be happening or this, this exploit could be exploited. And so we just kind of like paused churning entirely uh, until a fix has gone out and all these kind of things. Upon closer inspection of our code base, the, the Binance library has that exploit, but we have additional validations or checks uh, in Thornode itself that protected us from this particular um, uh, exploit. So we actually, weren't, in the end, we weren't even actually uh, exposed to it at all what we thought, so we went, might have been in the very, very beginning. So we're just kind of uh, pause churning and, and, until we've kind of established that or at least, or at least like fix the uh, patch the issue. Um, so a, a change is going on just to pack, patch the underlining library anyway, even though we're not really susceptible to it, but it, we should patch it anyway just for, just for good measure. Um, and uh, everything is fine in this regard, but I wanted to kind of let the community know that that, that vulnerability that was that, that was discovered by a researcher and, we were kind of we we did what we needed to do to protect the funds and protect the network and all these kind of things. Uh, and we'll be you know re- enabling churning again once we release the next uh, version. I think version 787, I think it is. Yeah.
0: Cool. And just to get anybody else up, uh, who's unfamiliar up to speed, TSS is Threshold Signature Schemes, and it's the I guess would you call it a protocol or a standard? Um, it's similar to multi sig, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, and, and it's the standard through which you know these uh, all, all these collective nodes can uh, reach consensus uh, to send uh, funds after like a, uh, like an LP position is withdrawn or a, a trade is made on Thorchain. The uh, the nodes collectively um, bring together their signatures in this threshold signature scheme um, in order to, for those funds to move. Is that an accurate? Yeah,
1: no, that's kind about of, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. the threshold signatures is very much like multi sig. And the important thing different, the important different thing from multisig is that, but um, partial signatures function the same way as a regular signatures. They appear and they look like on the chain as identical to any signature. So the the collection of, of signatures happen off chain rather than happening typically on chain for multi-sig. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, a question I had about that um, is. Does any chain that integrates with that, that Thorchain wants to integrate with, they have to like have this standard built in, or is this something that happens like above the like L1? So, no, like, no, it's,
1: it's above So it's, uh, that's the reason why we we chose to go with threshold signatures because you don't, don't need really. to wait for chain A, B, C, and D to like, you know, add support for threshold signatures as they do add support for multi sig, right? It doesn't matter what they Got support it. or not, it just they already do. And we, it works with ECDSA, it works with edsa like whether it's like a crypto note-based chain or you know something more like um, Bitcoin, it doesn't matter. It all just works out of the box. You don't need to worry about it. The problem with multisig is that each chain you know might implement it and might not, which limits how many chains you can connect to. But even ones that do implement it, like they limit how much you can use it, like. I think for Bitcoin right. it's like twenty multisigs is the max you're allowed to have. That means you can only have like twenty validators or twenty, you know, members of that are maintaining the all the Bitcoin in the network. And that's just like it's not something we you know would would aspire to do that. That that just seems, you know, not the right tool for the for the use right. case. So here we can So as far as any Yeah, yeah. Yeah, here you can uh, have as many it, as got you got it, want. Uh first yeah. thing is you can you literally scale as as high as you want. I mean, there's a con to going. The higher you go, you have a quadratic relationship to the speed of which it takes to sign a transaction. So you don't want to go like a bazillion because then it would take like 10 years to sign a single transaction, and which would be completely pointless and you know completely impractical. So we we actually scale up to about 40 nodes. The current moment. uh Per threshold signature, we could increase that to fifty. It's an arbitrary number, really. Like it's even it's a one one line change. Uh, it's actually a Mimir command as well. So, if we want to scale up to fifty or sixty. We could. Um, maybe that will happen. I don't know. But that'll, that'll be up for a future community to kind of debate and and uh, you know uh, argue about the, the pros and the cons, the merits and the, the faults. Cool. Um, awesome. So to recap, TSS is
0: a standard that. Thorchain uh, uses, it, did you say it was published by Binance? Um, yeah, the original,
1: uh, the, the Social Signature's implementation, original one, was, was published by Binance, uh, which is really okay. well done. It, it, was, and, it was audited and all these things, like it's been used, it's being okay. used by a lot of different uh, teams and groups, which is great.
0: Nice. There was a potential, or there's a vulnerability that was surfaced by a white hat that um, exposed a potential uh, attack vector for projects that were using TSS uh Thorchain itself was not actually exposed to that attack vector thanks to other checks in the uh Thorchain implementation but the Thorchain team including Chad uh helped contribute to the patching of that TSS issue um yep all yeah, yeah, right yeah, it's awesome.
1: true there actually was a, a, another TSS phone that was out like weeks the same same library same binance library like this is like a month ago or two months ago and we unfortunately and actually like headed up a team to like to, to pay out this researcher i think like half a million dollars and so like we were actually you know funding in some sense of like the res- the, the security researchers to to continue to make sure that such th- a th- th- thing it's not only secure for us as in Thorchain, but also secure for the greater the greater ecosystem and we're you know we're putting our yeah. money where our mouth is in that sense because it's really very good use of capital if you ask me yeah Absolutely, um, fantastic. All right, so
0: TSS vulnerability check next. Dodo pool going to zero. This is something I just got a notification on from the Thorchain alert spot, um, but I wasn't actually up to speed on on the context around it. So, what is the context around this Dodo pool? This is
1: actually kind of a, a uh, kind of a fun one in some sense because it, it was such a, a wacky scenario, and it just kind of like. It's kind of fascinating how it kind of unraveled, but basically there was like one person that had like ninety nine point nine eight percent of like the Dodo pool, like that. There was like the, that was the sole liquidity provider practically. There's like four or five other individuals, but the total value of what they provided versus what this one provider provided was, was like you know basically nothing, right? And so what ended up happening was this person uh, withdrew hundred percent of the dodo of their position in the dodo pool, which because the of the dodo is actually like spread out ac- across two Asgards and then 46 I think Yggdrasil's, it created like, you know, I think like 48 transactions on the Ethereum <laughs> on the Ethereum blockchain to like sign to, to send out all this dodo simultaneously to this individual, right? and so it ended up having like 48 transactions which cost a a bunch of money and gas as you could probably imagine and then because the gas we used to to pay for those transactions was all basically the same amount and we put so many transactions in the same second we basically stampeded ourselves and so it had some of those transactions fail and some of those transactions you know uh be successful which put the network into a kind of a slightly wonky state nothing bad or anything like nothing like you know you know everything recoverable not, not even a big deal at all if you want to but like it was just kind of this really interesting kind of funny way and so if the to make things even more extreme be, because the the gas used to send out the funds was more than the value in the remaining the remainder of the pool that's why the rune value uh, the room balance value went down to zero <laughs> because the 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 network had to swap some of their Dodo into rune and then give that to the reserve temporarily, and then the reserve will pay off the gas when it gets sent out later in a in a few a little bit there. But because there wasn't enough rune left in the pool to pay for all of that gas of those forty eight transactions. They they went down basically to zero. It went to that the room balance down to zero. So once you got down to zero, because the room balance was zero, which is kind of like a non thing, it shouldn't happen in general. Uh, you couldn't swap. You couldn't add liquidity. You couldn't withdraw liquidity. There's all these kind of checks and you know to make sure that you don't divide by zero by accident or something like this. <clears throat> and the code base, which would cause a panic and, and a larger issue. And so the network kind of protected itself in that, in that kind of weird edge case scenario that. Should never happen, but in this rare kind of extreme case of, he didn't have one hundred percent. If he had a hundred percent in the pool, it would have been fine. They had ninety nine point nine eight, <laughs> and so it caused this kind of interesting, this kind of issue. Uh, in the end, we, we got it all fixed, and, and you know it's not a big deal, and, and we'll be making some changes in the next you know week or so to to be more resilient against this kind of weird extreme edge case. Um, but uh, it, it was kind of a, an interesting uh, situation that unfolded yesterday. lose door guard
0: whoops sorry i was on i was on mute there um interesting oh it's it's uh fascinating to kind of uncover these like you know uh extreme edge cases um that kind of bubble up and and uh you know, get, and get solved and and um cool so that is that is is there a, uh is that is that solution kind of like shift and and uh that pulls back to normal or stage, yeah, stage the, for that.
1: The pool is back to normal. It, it, that was not, a, not much of an issue. Uh, the, part of the funny thing is that if this would, if this was not Ethereum, if this was like a BEP2 asset or something else, then it wouldn't would have been an issue. It's only because Ethereum is Ethereum and the way that it handles gas is different than any other chain. And the gas is so expensive on Ethereum. Like it, it's only because of this kind of weird one chain problem. It wouldn't be a problem. Probably any other chain in the space it would be it's mm-hmm. kind of funny but yeah okay. cool yeah. everything's back to normal awesome. the pool's back up and all that stuff
0: cool sounds good all right uh last but not least unless unless we have time for the retiring of bet to any room which is kind of curious um talk about stage net. so this is a tweet that uh went out on DoorChain twitter recently which is like the one thing that door ch- uh, chads need to be I'm paraphrasing from memory here, but the one thing that Chad's need to be excited about this like right now is StageNet uh, coming to ThorChain. Um, So can you talk about what is StageNet and why it's important for the ecosystem?
1: Yes. So StageNet is a new kind of developed environment that is like TestNet, but it doesn't run on TestNet infrastructure. It runs on like uh, mainnet infrastructure, but just like a scaled down. It's like a real ThorChain but it's like very much small scale down just for testing purposes. It has actual money on like actual Bitcoin, actual like real assets, not testing assets. And uh, that's used just to kind of try out new chains. So we'll, when we want to try out like Dogecoin or, or, or Terra or, you know, Gaia or, you know, whatever else in the world, uh, so we'll be t- deploying to Stagenet first just to kind of do some testing there and then moving on to um Mainnet. The reason why you want to do testnet and not testnet is because testnet is very unreliable. We've had so many problems in the past where, like, you know, it'll go like days without a block being mined for like Litecoin, for example. <laughs> it's like, it's always just like you just constantly see these like weird things happen that you would never see in a real situation, and it just makes it more difficult to actually test and try things. Um, and then also like acquiring testnet Luna and rec- acquiring testnet you know atom coin like all these kind of things like that is just a super pain pain in the ass it's just so much cleaner easier and simpler just to like oh we'll just buy some some atom we'll buy some luna we'll buy some doge or whatever if that's just just readily available we can spend a little money and and do that it's not a big deal but then the network itself will have like very very small amount of actual funds technically you can swap it if you really wanted to like but you'll get you know hit with swap fees pretty high so you probably wouldn't really want to use it for like actual trading but it's there mainly just for, for testing purposes. And so the, I think the team will be, uh, the, the Nine Realms team is working on this now. They're, they've already spun up the first Genesis node, was the first like block has already mined for net. They're just spinning up more validators um, for the time being. And then we've already acquired liquidity for the layer one. So we have bought some Bitcoin and Litecoin and BNB and you know a bunch of other assets to kind of fund these pools. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 that's gonna be kind of like the, the, the playground to test out these new things. Got it. Yeah. And,
0: um, there's a lot of initiatives that, um, uh, around like this, this theme, uh, and I, I loved this, uh, kind of notion that was shared either. It was either the 13 Twitter account or the nine rounds Twitter account, but like 2022, it's going to be about security, scalability and, um, hardening the network. Um, and you know like there's a bunch of initiatives that are happening in the ecosystem right now that are uh around this notion of securing and hardening the network you know lessons learned coming out of uh you know this summer and, and this uh yeah this summer um and so you know some of those things are include like Thorsec which would re- you know reviews every uh every update before going into production mm-hmm. and then also like uh if I understand correctly there's like a community swarm um there's a a war room that's being uh, that's being um, uh, kind of created. What is it called? Like the Thor. Um, there's some uh, a name around it, but it's this initiative to essentially um, get uh, the community to test and uh, do like test penetrations and uh, test like every every update before it goes into production. And I imagine a lot of that can happen here on StageNet with real assets, but in a test environment.
1: Yeah. It's, <laughs> there's so many different test environments. Uh, there's like MachNet, TestNet, StageNet, ksnet and they all have different reasons and purposes for existing for different um use cases um but uh yeah you could do the, the testing on staging as well um, um i think i think the the war game for like synthetics for example will probably happen on stage net just because uh we have to we don't want to give out real assets to people right to, to test out
3: nor do to mm-hmm. want to spend
1: their real actual money trying to mess around with, with synthetics or whatever in case there's an issue or whatever or like we don't want to so, so that'll happen on testnet I think it'll happen on testnet but it, to be honest that's okay. really more of a call, a call for the nine realms team who's really kind of heading up this aspect uh, okay. I think there's benefits to, to doing both to be honest with you I think doing a, a first pass on, on testnet and then seeing how it goes you know and then once mm-hmm. you get a, a good amount of confidence in it then you can go ahead and do a, a stage implementation of it but even when we run it on on like ChaosNet, like for for synthetics, for example, like we'll probably limit the amount of synthetics in my network to be like maybe five percent of the pools. Like keep keep it real small in the in the very very beginning, just to kind of um, so that if anything happens in one direction or the other, that it's not like a whole lot of capital at risk, and you know the team it'd be easier for the team to you know financially support if there was some sort of mistake where somebody like lost some funds, we could just go ahead and you know refund those individuals or whatever and so we want to keep our exposure small to begin with and then we'll kind of ramp it up over time just not not much different how we raise the caps for for chain itself. So. awesome uh just out of curiosity you said
0: um so this is uh this is actually in uh this is live now nine realms has it set up mine the first block already mm-hmm. assets have been acquired mm-hmm. um for uh i guess like node and uh the nodes and and the LP uh, positions. Curious, how much uh, how much capital like uh, like was invested in in those um you know in getting those assets like how much node was uh, rune was was bonded and how
1: deep are the liquidity pools uh, across the different uh, pools in the stage net? That's a good question. I actually don't know the answer to this question. I have to I have to ask the team over Nine That's interesting. They put it, through. but it's I I can imagine it's not going to be large. It's going to be quite small, but it's not going to be so small that it's not useful so there's there's a little bit of a happy medium to to strike there um so it'd probably maybe be like ten thousand dollars a pool maybe or something like this uh that's what i would do if if it was me or just to keep it simple and small Um, and there i imagine
0: there'd also have to be a balance of rune that was allocated for well are there are there block rewards on StageNet like for you know lp positions and and nodes uh
1: probably not Probably not. The, okay. the yeah. The reserve is, is uh, would probably not be. Um. Maybe they decided to do it anyway just to create a more similar, similar to real life kind of quote, you know, implementation. But I don't see a real need to add additional room in that regard. We, we don't want people to participate in this to like to earn money, right? And that's what Block Rewards is for: is to help you kind of increase your yield. Like, you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna add liquidity to the Bitcoin pool here and you know make major dollars. Uh, you know, on on swap fees and stuff like that. But that's probably not going to happen. So, that, not really <laughs> for like people who want to earn yield. It's really just for people who want to like kick the tires on a new feature and see if you can find a bug or an issue and uh, report to the team. And, and if you do, then we'll, we'll probably you know fl- flick you some rune for as a thank you for helping us to to discover a bug or issue or problem.
0: Cool. Awesome. So stage net is coming to Thor chain, uh, extremely exciting. Um, all right. So that does it for like the main points of conversation. We have this last bullet point of retiring that to need Um, we've got 10 minutes left in the call. Um, we can go over if, if we want to, but real quick, before we get to this one, since this is a bit forward looking, did want to give uncle badgers a chance to give us an update from the, uh, Thor swap and Thor chats side of things. Uh, badgers you with us? Hello, hello, hello! It's our favorite Liverpool representative. How are we doing today, sir? <laughs> I am good. How are you, sir? Doing very well, thank you. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, exciting watching Thorchad's uh you know, trophies, uh, first chess, and now trophies uh, touching above water, and um, and I know Thorswap has been busy as well. Uh, you want to give us a quick update on uh, on what's happening on across both those projects
2: yeah shall do uh, we released the nft trophies uh, earlier this week and then revealed them yesterday so that was pretty interesting and we're also doing a collaboration with full gods so we will be giving away said trophies instead of a T's um, at some point as well which is exciting uh, so that's four DAO, and then with Thor swap uh, we've had a massive Week last week, um, we've launched an Olympus Pro, and we've actually acquired three hundred thousand in USD worth of, worth of as, assets currently. And uh, the main, the main like deployment for this was actually to help, like, not only us but also like chains network stability. So, if it, anyone doesn't know about Olympus Pro, basically, you provide an asset. And then you get discount of Thor for that asset, and you acquire it via a bond. <clears throat> and the bonds a contract with you and us, and it's vested over seven days. Um, and then you receive it's linear vested, so you receive discount of Thor. And the main perks of this of this is because of the assets we are attaining. So one of the main things that helps with network stability is. We are essentially retiring ETH.RUNE. Dot so you can provide Ethereum ERC twenty Rune, and you get discount of Thor. So we've we, we've already like uh, retired like hundred k worth in one week, uh, which is which is a big number, um, which is great. So and we're gonna use that ETH.RUNE. Dot and we can use this. So we're five percent the way there. We're in a node just from this Pro So we could run nodes with this uh, rune. So we retire the rune, we upgrade it to native rune, and then we can start running uh, nodes with it. So that's pretty cool, and that will help the the stability of the network. And the main reason why we did this is because if you look at the statistics on the volume on ThorChain, our pool was way too deep, it was over-efficient, and therefore it made uh, liquidity ineffective and like, it put an inefficient demand on nodes, and it made being a node less lucrative, so therefore less bonding happened. If you look at the stats, like the IDOs took up 30% of the liquidity, yet we're only less than 1% of the volume. So then that means that puts demand on the nodes, the bond for our LPs, and it just makes it inefficient. So we basically reduced our liquidity by 50% just from changing this incentive pendulum. We create our own little incentive pendulum, which basically we we want more people to single-sided stake, and we want more people to use Olympus Pro to bond essentially. So we reduced our farming emissions, and we also increased the emissions uh, for single-sided staking, and then we introduced Olympus Pro. So all of that is like a massive, like game theory, uh, thought stop incentive pendulum. Basically we want to increase the stability, four chain network as well as increasing like the efficiency of our liquidity pools awesome glad to hear it and uh yeah it's interesting to get that kind of
0: insight into uh yeah in, into some of these ways that ecosystem partners are helping uh secure the base layer um and also very exciting to hear that you guys are working with olympus pro i think that's a great development and i think i think thor starter is as well if i'm not mistaken uh,
2: they are, they are indeed, um, mm-hmm. for the X-Moon, uh, ETH pools, yeah. So yeah, we're, ba- we're basically, like, creating protocol-owned nodes for ThorSop as well as uh protocol-owned liquidity. So it's, um, yeah, it's a win-win for everyone, essentially. Everyone gets discounted floor. uh, we help the stability network, whilst also acquiring our own liquidity. So it's, yeah, it's pretty much a win-win.
0: Um... Awesome. Yeah, glad to hear it. Badgers, thank you so much for that update. And also, as uh, Badgers mentioned, uh, Thor Chad's down and ThorGuard's will be <laughs> collaborating for an NFT giveaway. Uh, I think that'll be announced on Twitter here later today. Um, and so keep your eyes peeled for that. Super exciting. The artwork looks great. Congratulations on, on shipping that. and We're excited to, to be partnering with you guys to yeah help, help spread the word amongst the community.
2: <laughs> awesome, man. Take it easy. Thank you for having me on. All right, Badgers.
0: Take care, buddy um awesome so back to chad uh chad we have one last point we could talk about here and then go into ama like uh invite anybody to come on stage or what do you think or we can just save this for another for another conversation
1: uh well we don't have much time left so we'll just save it next save it for next week there's no rush on this whole um that to cool. retiring i think so i, I mean yeah. unless if people want to talk about it they can if you want to raise your hand and ask me a question or whatever we can have the conversation
0: yeah, let's do this. Let's let's invite anybody in the community here to raise your hand and, and request to come on stage if you have a question for Chad, and uh, and so we can you know we can open up to AMAs now if if anybody does want to raise their hand, and in the meantime while we wait for folks to raise their hand or, or not, uh, well let's let's touch on this because I I actually am kind of curious here. I do I do think that having like three different types of rune. You know, I see why it happened, but it, it does it can present some uh, some um, confusion sometime. So yeah, what what uh, Chad, why don't you give us a quick rundown there, and then uh, we'll, we'll get some friends on stage.
1: Yeah, so um, so we originally had um, uh, that two room to start the thing to start the project, and the reason why that was more than any reason from from my memory. Hopefully, I'm remembering correctly here. Is that we wanted to to launch an asset um, just to, to start funding the project? Your project is not really a project until it has a coin, in some sense. <laughs> um, and, and so we wanted to be able to launch a project and, and be able to, to generate some some uh, um, some some uh, investor uh, funds, some capital, so that we could start, you know, hiring a team and, and building the project and, and making this whole like Thor Chain thing come to life, as we've obviously uh, done. And so it started off as a as a Bet Two project. I don't even know why it was bep Two. To be honest with you, um, I don't think I was even part of that discussion at the time. But like, um, yeah, we went bep Two on 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 finance decks, and we raised 1.5 million, and, and it obviously grew. Uh, we started like room vault, and like started like you know to be able to, to distribute the coins to a bunch more people, blah, blah blah, all this kind of stuff. At the time, we didn't we weren't even sure if we were going to use our native own native t- uh, token with you. From a technical perspective, you don't have to. You, you could use a, a BEP2 or external asset. It just became uh, much more powerful and more things we could do with it if it was a native token. So we decided to kind of make that switch from single-chain KSnet to multi-chain KSnet. Um, and then we launched Ethereum, uh, the ERC20 version of our own, um, about a few months before we started multi-chain just because we wanted to kind of like prep the spring, if you want to like call it that. Like We wanted people to start holding, you know, Rune who are, you know, ETH people. Because some people don't like, they'll never hold a, a BEP2 token because they hate Binance, which is, you know, some people in the world. But we wanted to be able to, like, kind of start engaging with the Ethereum community and start getting them excited, getting them kind of, like, learning about the project and kind of, like, pulling on that. And so that when we launched Chain, we, we had a community on the Ethereum uh, blockchain that people were, you know, ready to, to, to kind of, like, already aware of the project and already kind of part of it and, and that kind of stuff. But once we had multi uh, multi chain launch with our own native asset, we always knew that that was like that was the end, that was the end on deal, right? We, that was the direction we wanted to go uh, as a project and as a as a community. And so that's been you know it's been what how many months has it been since we launched multi uh, chain? It's been like eight months or so, something like that. Um, we'll probably go mainnet you know a year after we launch, so maybe another couple months, um, maybe another few months, and then uh, we were talking about the idea of. You know how we how do we apply more pressure to to kind of get rid of these bep 2 f root things and, and move towards the, the the true asset, which is native room for simplicity purposes to help push exchanges that do want to integrate with uh, to uh, Thor chain that they integrate with native room more and all this kind of stuff. And so, the, so the dev the core team kind of came up with an idea of how to do that, and the the concept is that. We have the switch memo right now where you can switch your one-to-one ratio from your BEP2 rune or your eth rune to native rune and just kind of trades it, you know, it burns one and mints the other, right, so that the circling supply rune doesn't, you know, change as part of this. And so the idea was that uh, to help kind of um, facilitate people to, to migrate into native rune and start participating more into the, the network and, and we want as much productive capital as we, as we can get um unproductive capital is not as useful to the project as productive capital is mm-hmm. and so the idea is that uh, over time it, instead of getting a one-to-one it's like you know a 99 to 100 and then you know a 98 to 100 and then a 97 mm-hmm. to 100 and it kind of slowly deteriorates over a long period of time the initial time we kind of estimate to be like a year so like you know a day one want to be a 100 to 100 ratio and then an, you know, a, a year later, it's a one to a hundred ratio or something like this, right? To help kind of facilitate people to to move into this this newer asset. That's the idea. That's the concept we wanted to float with the team, float with the community, float with the you know the greater sphere. Get some feedback. Get some thoughts. Does it make sense? Does it not make sense? You know, is there some changes we should make to it? Should we not do it at all? Like all of that should be discussed among the community to figure out what makes the most sense. Awesome.
0: So another conversation, very early stage, but a conversation that I imagine is also being had in the ThorChain devs discord, uh, yep. possibly under the economic design channel.
1: Um, yeah, it, it's right now. I think most of it is in the, uh, I think it's in the, let me real quick. Uh, it's in the general channel. There's a um, a thread called Killswitch, project Killswitch, okay.
0: you know, operation right. Killswitch. Sounds good. Well, thank you for that update, Chad. Um, great to hear some, some of these ideas, yeah. conversations that are being discussed. Uh, very early on um and with that let's uh open up to some community questions here i brought a couple of friends on stage here uh oh, looks like we just lost uh thor Miche or thor mike but we have thor chain vegan online with us vegan can you hear us
3: yeah good morning thanks to the devs and the whole team for making the project uh, a success i uh wanted to ask a couple, two related questions. One, uh, perhaps I'm not understanding things, but why no uh, delegated proof of stake for light nodes since light nodes can't Sybil attack uh, the system? And the second related question is, uh, any updates on iRUNE? I know it's related to synths, but it seems like part of the issue is that there's no single-sided staking option for RUNE. Light nodes, as far as I can tell, will require a high technical, uh, have a high technical barrier to entry and involve this KYC issue potentially. Um, so is there any talk about iRUNE or uh, expediting that? So those are my two questions. Thank you.
1: Yeah, sure. So first question about light nodes or vault nodes. Um, so there's two ways you can approach this idea, right? And I, I don't think we haven't figured out which one is the right one to go. But so one is that um, you can have vault nodes with anonymous pooled room, right? So, that you, so you can do what you're kind of like a delegated proof of stake thing. You can do that with vault nodes, as you were just saying, because it doesn't, you don't have risk of cyber attack. You still have risk of, of you know, you're being rug pulled by stealing all the, all the funds underneath it all. No, but if you do it in a way that, that the node operator has, you know, puts in a thousand rune, let's just say, or, like, or 50,000 rune, let's just say, and then you can probably accept up to 50,000 rune of other people's liquidity and still be relatively pretty safe because you can slash the node operator first before you slash the, the other individuals who are not running the actual node, Right. And so you can do that, and that will probably uh, have a very good chance of being uh, safe, And but the problem is you're limiting the amount of room that can be added to this world node. It's limited by the amount of room that the node operator put up, right? And that's, that's the negative of that approach. The other approach to this concept is saying, okay, it's not anon, you have to KYC each other that way, you know, if somebody rug pulls, you know each other's identity, you can, you know, can have a contact with them. You can sue them, um, you know, break their legs. I don't know, like whatever, <laughs> whatever, however you want to structure <laughs> your relationship with this other individual who is running the node or you're on the node to the other individual. And in that scenario, because of your KYC, KYC to each other, you have trust between each other. So you don't need an economic incentive to make sure if it's secure, you have trust between you and the other individual. And so that therefore you can have as much room as you want, you can, the vault node can grow to be like, you know, huge amounts of rune, you know, and maybe, you know, nine run will be one of these people, for example, and you can just toss in rune all day and you can scale up the bond side uh, of the network very almost arbitrarily, you know, in a sense. Uh, so that's the two different approaches that I think that, that we have to think about and there's pros and cons to both and, that the community can decide upon which one Do they like the easier, simpler. I don't need to like meet people and have contracts and decide who's a good valid, node operator and just give them room and I make some yield on that. But you're limiting the amount of room that can go into the bond side or okay. It takes a little bit more work. I have to meet people. I have to have a contract. I have to, you know, it's a little more about set up here. But uh, the network can scale better with that approach in terms of the amount of rune on the on the bond side. So that, that's the, that's that's the the pro and the con. But the community can get together and decide upon which implementation makes the most sense uh, for the project. Yeah, um, that makes sense. The first question.
3: Yeah, it does. Thank you. I, I Personally, I would think that eliminating any KYC or meeting in person would probably actually allow more bonded rune, even though uh room would be limited in those pools but that'll be a good community discussion on discord i'm sure
1: yeah yeah you can discuss it maybe you're right maybe you're wrong i don't i know i don't
3: pretend pretend to know all
1: i know is that um if if you're only if you're limited to basically whatever the amount of funds that vault that node operators of vault nodes put together that's the limit like you can't go higher than that number so if if we're a situation where you know, there's lots of vault-nose operators and there's lots of capital in in this sense, then maybe you're right. Like, then we can do that and that's probably enough for what the project needs. Or if there's not a lot of people who who can or have the the skill sets or the capital to to be a vault-node operator, then, you know, maybe that's not the the right choice, right? So what is true, which one's false or true, whatever, I don't know, right? I think we're just going to take more time to to figure that out and, and maybe try some things on, throw some spaghetti in the wall and see, see what fix you know, what, what sticks and what doesn't. And that, that, that might be the ending result. Some of this is just trying to establish what human behavior is. And, you know, that's, I'm always, I always great at human behavior personally. So like, you know, I don't always know.
3: Oh, and you. Had your second question. What was your second question? About iron. Uh iron. Yeah, iron seems to solve the single sided uh, staking issue, and so any any updates on that being expedited since that might satisfy a lot of people's needs. Yeah. So,
1: single sided staking on the rune side um, has to be done with a with a particular caution, right? And that is, you want to make sure that if people are providing rune, that's providing value to the network, right? It's not a staking option like you would see on, you know, some like Tezos, for example, or, you know, other, other chains, because those don't actually provide any value to the network, right? You're not, you're not adding to the security. You're not really, really necessarily adding to the pool. depending upon how how Iroon is actually implemented. So you have to make sure that it's it's productive capital, that's providing a service for the network. That's the most important thing, right? Um, Furthermore, if you go down the road of the road of synthetics and it's a synthetic rune, synthetic runeness can be problematic for the network in the sense that it creates cell pressure on uh, the rune asset itself, right? So it's a little bit counterintuitive, but bear with me here. So say you have, um, you're accepting um, Bitcoin, right? You're uh, swapping Bitcoin to synthetic Bitcoin. The natural tendency of that is that it creates, you're adding Bitcoin to the pool. Which means you're you're low on rune. Which means that an arbitrage bot will buy rune off of the market to swap, you know, rune into the Bitcoin pool and take out Bitcoin on the other side. Right? That's the that's the natural balancing act that happens when you have when you put in a when you mint a synthetic Bitcoin from Bitcoin. Right? You do it from rune. The opposite happens. You're buying Bitcoin off of the market and you're selling rune. Right? So you're creating. Uh, the the inverse basically economic pressure of which asset you're providing into the network as as confusing that that might sound. So allowing the network to do synthetic rune and allow them to earn interest on that synthetic rune comes at a cost that it creates buy a a sell pressure on the rune asset. And it's not necessarily beneficial for, for accumulating value or accumulating wealth into the rune asset itself. So, With all that in mind, if we end up doing some sort of iron implementation, which we still need to kind of think of a a better approach, we need to make sure that it doesn't actually have the inverse effect and actually harm the network in the process of doing it. Uh, We need to make sure that it doesn't harm the network and that it actually provides value to, to the network. It can't just like sit there and just like earn more room without actually like doing anything. Like it has to get that room from somewhere and you have to provide value to that thing that is creating the room to pay out that system um yeah that's it in a nutshell and and I'm op- we're open to any ideas or, or implementation details we want to talk about and, and and we can float ideas and concepts and see what works and what doesn't work and all that kind of stuff but the, i think the, the the most way of like the, the, in my view if you want to earn rune on your rune the best way to do that is not so much irune it is providing bond to the network because we want all that capital to be to be efficient right to be Useful. So, by providing somebody the ability to jump in onto a vault node or a pool validator or like whatever the thing is, and then earning you know 10, 12, 15, whatever the percentage is, 20%, whatever the the number is, uh, on their rune, earning rune in the rune, that's all you're trying to accomplish. It doesn't really matter if it's I rune the sense of synthetic rune or not, but you're just trying to figure out a way for me to easily earn more rune on my rune. And the most efficient way of doing that is providing bond and then getting, you know, no, no rewards sent to you to, to get more room on your room. And you're providing, a, like, an important service for the community of, like, being able to increase the pool depths and all that kind of stuff.
0: Awesome. Uh, yeah, Vegan, thank you for the question. Was that um, satisfactory? I understand.
3: Yeah, thanks so much. That makes sense. Uh, my only thought is I wonder if there's some way to integrate it with POL uh, to make it work. But – that's probably a broader discussion, but thank you so much. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. POL,
1: we we can, we can, gonna go too much in the depths of your, but we could we could go into that idea and concept and explore more ideas around that concept. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to do that in a way that makes sense up top of my head, because generally speaking, whenever it goes into the POL stays in the POL, unless it's a real reason to pull it out. But generally speaking, that's how POLs are generally designed. Um, the current implement uh, design idea that we're kind of kicking around um, the p PWAL is used to kind of help facilitate um, lending and Thor savings and all these things as, as it needs to, but it's really more there as a, as a backup, not really commonly used. But more decision and, and research needs to be done and what's just being worked on. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries.
0: Chad. Thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time. We appreciate the work that you're doing and that uh, you're spending time with the community here on this call for the update. Um, everyone, thank you guys all so much for for tuning in. Um, yeah, this has been the Thorchain weekly hangout. We do these generally every week, twice uh, twice a month here for Western time zones, and then twice a month for Eastern time zones. Uh, recordings will be published on the RuneBase podcast. You can find that at roombase.org or by searching Roombase in your podcast app of choice. Uh, and that is all for this week, Chad. Thank you again and uh, have a great weekend ahead. Thanks guys. See you next week.